0: Thank you all. Man, that was good. Whoo, I love, love, love the talented gift and ministers we have at our church. Oh, we are so, so blessed. Well, last week, I alluded to an illustration that I've used in the past that best explains to us the difference between men and women, the difference between husbands and wives. With all the scientific data that we could possibly muster up, this illustration explains you women to men better than anything else. And this illustration will explain men to you. Are you ready for this? Better than anything else you have ever imagined. With all of the frustration and all of the agitation that comes through trying to have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. I'm about to explain to you why that is. Can I get your help? All right. Can I have all the women in this section and all the women in that section, would you please hold your purse up if you brought it in? Just hold it up high, hold it on up. Let me take a look at them. Woo, yeah, everybody look. Everybody look, Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And wow, you're the winner right back here. Can you hand that one to me just for a minute? Okay, first of all, Sheila, I promise you, I've been married for 42 years, and I have never, ever gone into my wife's purse without permission. In 42 years, I have only looked in my wife's purse three times. Once was for chapstick, the other was for gum. The confusing part is if I ask her for money, honey, do you have a 20, bring me my purse. She never lets me look in her purse for money. She does not want me to know how much she has in her wallet. Bring me my purse. Honey, do you have any chapstick? It's in the left side of my purse, left pocket inside my shirt. What is the left side of a, is this it? Is this it? I have no idea what she's even talking about. I leave confused and taking her her purse. So here you have it, this explains a woman. Inside this purse you'll find many compartments, you'll find many dividers, and you'll find many things. I have no idea what things you will find, but they are stuffed inside of this purse. This, ladies and gentlemen, represents a woman. This represents a man. Very simple. I've got the driver's license. I got my allowance money that came out of her purse. I've got a couple of credit cards, that's it. That's it, no chapstick. No chapstick, no hairspray, no whatever else is in here. This, this is it. Now, Sheila, this would not be your only purse, would it be? No, because you have many purses. You have large purses, you have little purses, you have purses that go over the shoulder, you have purses you clutch, you clutch underneath your arm. You have purses for the spring, for the summer, for the fall, for the winter. You have purses that match this pair of shoes and that pair of shoes and that other pair of shoes. No, 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 this is not your only purse. You have many, many purses. How many wallets does a man have? One one wallet, and we will hang on to this wallet until it completely disintegrates in our pocket, or until some good woman in our life goes out and buys us a new one. And men, no matter how hard you try, you will never turn this into this with the aggravation and the frustration that comes with all of this, you do not want to make her into this. Reset your thinking. And women, with all of the frustration and agitation that comes to your life because your man is this, Honey, what are you doing? I, what are you thinking? I'm not thinking anything. Well, how come this or how come that? I know that I did. I get, I got a wallet. I got. A, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Why can't we go deep? Why deep, deep in the relationship. There's no deep. <laughs> That's it. And no matter how hard you try, ladies, listen to me. No matter how aggravated you get or how much frustrated you get, you will never turn this man into this. And let me share something else with you. You don't really want to. Would you take that back to Sheila if you would please? The message is called a mindset reset. And there are many times that we need to reset our thinking when it comes to the relationships that we have in our life. Men, you will never ever turn your wife into one of these. Because if you did, who's gonna carry the chapstick? You don't want her to become this. The things about her that frustrate you and aggravate you the most are the very things that you need to leave alone. You need to reset your mind when the aggravations and the frustrations come because she's not more like you and processes like you and thinks like you. You need to reset your mind to leave her alone. And women, you never want to turn a man into your purse. (laughs) Because you, when you get frustrated and you get aggravated that he doesn't process like you, that he doesn't think like you, that he's not in touch with his emotions like you, the last thing that you want him to be is you. So reset your mind and listen to me, sisters, leave him alone. A mindset reset. I know a man, he's very wealthy, but after his second wife, I told him, I said, listen, man, if you keep thinking toward women the way that you're thinking toward them, you're gonna grow old by yourself with all your money packed away. And sure enough, after his third marriage, he's growing old by himself. Because when he told me his thoughts about women, that he thought women should be this and they should be more of that and they should be uh, you know, what he thought that they should be, the problem that he had is he never reset his mind to what the truth about women are and the way God made women and the way that God made men. And if there's going to be relationships, even through the frustration and the aggravation sometimes that comes with women and men, you got to let her be a purse, and you got to let him be a wallet. A mindset reset. Let's take it a little deeper. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. What's the Bible saying? you got to reset your mind when your mind is not thinking like Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, The Bible says, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything that you have heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace. So you gotta reset your mind to be able to receive the type of peace God wants you to live in. Everything is going after your thought life every TV program, every bit of news that you read, whether it's on this side or that side, it is all to captivate your thinking. And God says, I understand that you have lots of options. And most of those options will put anxiety in your soul and depression in your mind. So God says, you've got to think about that. Then he says this, he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you got to bring every thought captive. So here's what it really boils down to. You got to think about what you're thinking about. You've got to constantly be thinking about what you're thinking about. And if what you are thinking about is bringing you down, is holding you back and keeping you stuck, man, you've got to reset your mindset. Now we've already covered the fact that everybody in this room has dealt with rejection. Rejection is a refusal on the part of someone else to accept, or appreciate who you are or who you are not. For the enemy, the enemy uses this word rejection, the definition to throw backwards. And that is how the enemy wants to use it against you to inhibit your advancement, to block your blessings and to stop to stop your progress. Rejection is a weapon the enemy uses to wound the very soul of a person. And a soul wound is one of the deepest wounds that you'll ever receive. Because it is a wound that doesn't bleed on the outside. It bleeds internally. And before you know it, there is death, death of relationships, death of happiness, death of joy, death of finances. So a soul wound has to be dealt with and it has to be addressed very carefully. We talked about different people in the Bible, the person of David, how God God said that there would be a man selected out of the house of Jesse. He sent Samuel the prophet to select this man to be the next king of Israel. Jesse had eight sons, one of them was David, the eighth and the youngest of all of his boys. He left David out in a field tending the sheep instead of bringing him in to see if he might not be the next king of Israel. David felt rejection from his own dad. He later, after being anointed to be the king, went to Saul's palace and served Saul there. He lived in an abusive situation where Saul was trying to kill him, but he stayed in it because he was receiving love from Saul that he never received from his dad in the past. Anytime you have an unaddressed wound of a rejection, it will bring about a deep desire for approval from other people, and you will overcompensate in areas that you wouldn't normally if that rejection had been dealt with with successfully. So a person that feels rejection now goes to approval addiction, where you want everybody to like you, and it's okay that you and I want people to like us. But there's something definitely wrong when we need other people to like us. So we have dealt with approval addiction, we have dealt with the infection that comes from, uh, that comes from rejection. And every person, listen to me, every person in this room, everyone has been hurt and wounded. Every person in this room has felt rejection. Maybe you were the child of a divorced parent and you say, well, that wasn't about me and they told you that a hundred times. Still, you were sitting at a breakfast table where one of those parents were no longer there. We're no longer in your presence and rejection is felt. If you have ever been passed over for a job, if you have ever been treated in an unkind way, if an ex has ever spoken words to you like no one will ever love you after this relationship ends, I'll prove it. If you've ever had any of those words spoken to you, if you have ever had, been, had somebody break up with you or somebody pass you over for somebody else, if you've ever felt rejection, then those are wounds that get deep down inside of you and they send to fester, and they tend to be infected, and they will, if you're not careful, destroy your life. But, ladies and gentlemen, the people who recover, the fastest and the healthiest, are those of us who understand the importance, are you ready, of making a great exit. The greatest exit in human history was Jesus Christ coming out of a dead place. He not only got up from it, but he walked out of it. The greatest exit that has ever been experienced in mankind is also one that shows you and I the ability that God has to bring things back to life again for us. No matter how you've been broken or who broke you or how long you have been broken, Our God is a God who brings dead things back to life and he makes available for us that same power to bring back dead finances, dead hope, dead relationships, dead emotions when it comes to depression and anxiety. He brings all those things back to life with the same power he said that he used to bring his own son out of the dead place, out of a tomb. The Bible says, and I'll just read it, in Ephesians chapter one, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now there are people in this room that could preach this message. There's some of you that have gone through difficulties that you thought would finish you. And other people thought that you're going through something where you were finished. Now, some people said that you will not come out of this and your life will not get better. But look at you now. You're not just a survivor, you're a thriver. You're in the house of God, worshiping him, praising him, serving him, and your life has never been happier. And if I could hand you a microphone, you could preach to other people sitting around you and telling them that they, can be a survivor and a thriver as well. If they'll just keep going, God's same power that brought you back have the ability to bring your friends back. You can clap right there if you need to. I'll put an applause sign up there if I have to. But here's what you got to do. Man, when you have gone through things in your life that have hurt you so badly, you have got to have the ability to make a great exit. And this is what we learn from the greatest exit in human history. Number one, give that dead place a deadline. I love what Jesus did. Before he ever went into that tomb, he said, I'm staying three days and then I'm out of there. I'm gonna stay three days in a dead place and then that's gonna do it. And the truth of the matter is he didn't really even spend a whole three days. He spent a little what was left over on a Friday. He spent all day Saturday and a little sliver of a Sunday morning and then Jesus called it enough. And Jesus came out of that dead place. And you and I have to do that very same thing. There are going to be things in your life that bring you down there's going to be times in your life where your emotions are depressed you are going to feel anxious you are going to feel hurt you are going to feel damaged so when you go into those seasons set a time limit on it i'm only going to be down now for three days and then i'm coming out of this do you know jesus and god even set a timeline when it came to grieving You say, well, man, when people lose a loved one, they they ought to be able to grieve as long as they need to grieve. And yeah, as long as grieving doesn't stick you in a place where you don't move forward. God told his children when Moses died, I'm gonna let you grieve over him for 30 days. Now you might be thinking immediately, well, I've lost a mom, a dad, a loved one, a son, a daughter, a wife, a husband. And man, I'm, I'm going on three years now. Well, I, you gotta remember what God said. God told his people, you don't go forward, you don't advance, you don't go anywhere, you don't do anything, you barely eat, sit on the ground, cry, put dirt on yourself for 30 days in a row. Now, if you grieved that way God told his children to grieve when you lost a loved one, I guarantee you at the end of 30 days, you'd be ready to get up. You'd be done with it, right? I mean, you lay in their clothes, you cry, you make a big pile of their things, and you remember, you get the photo albums out, you do whatever, but do it for 30 days in a row, 24 hours a day, and tell me at the end of 30 days, you wouldn't be ready to do something different. But you know what our culture, our culture won't allow that. So we stretch 30 days over 30 years, am I right? and all of a sudden we're still And it's not that God's not saying that you can't emotionally feel that. What's God saying is that you can't get stuck by that. So have an exit plan. When you go in, you gotta have a timeline of when it is that you are gonna be coming out of that place. Take a look at this. Some things don't end until you end them. Some things don't end until you end them. You see, there are some things in our life that you and I have the ability to stop. You and I have the ability to be able to say, I've cried long enough, I've been down long enough, I've been depressed long enough, and I've lived beneath my potential long enough. The psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will, I will to do it. It's my choice to rejoice and be glad in it. And see, there are things, things that you have in our, your life that you might be waiting for God to move you forward from, and God's saying, I'm waiting on you. And you're saying, God, how long is this gonna last? And God said, I don't know how long you're gonna let it last because the ability to set a timeline on it is in your hands. Now there are other things where we're waiting on God and God sets the timeline, but there are many things where you and I have that ability to set a timeline. And listen, when you have been in for a dead place for long enough where you are doing this hamster wheel living and life's not getting any better for you and you've stayed stuck, you have got to make a decision. It is time for me to bust a move. I think that's from the 80s, is that from the 80s? But you gotta move, you gotta take control of it and God lets you, you, you said, God, I'm waiting on you and God's saying, yeah, I'm waiting on you. And your three days, ladies and gentlemen, is up. When you say that it's up, Every, everybody say it out loud. My three days are up. Look at somebody sitting near you and tell them, your three days are up. But there are people that never set time limits on it. They've been depressed, they've been hurt, they're feeling anxiety and and they just waller in it rather than saying, I'm done with it. I'm done thinking that, I, I will to have a great day today. I will to rejoice in the Lord. I will to make this day different than it's been in the past. Take a look at number two, your elevation is on the other side of your exit. Your elevation is just on the other side of your exit. Entrances into new seasons, look at this, must be preceded by exits out of old ones. And you cannot walk into anything new if you are afraid to walk out of something that is old. Solomon put it this way, for everything there's a season, nothing in your life is meant to come to stay. It's all for seasons. Number three, The only way you're coming out of a dead place is head first. You're gonna have to think your way out. You're gonna have to come to yourself to get out. That's what happened to the prodigal son, isn't it? Didn't the prodigal son lose everything, end up with nothing, and all of a sudden, the Bible says he came to himself and thought, in my father's house, it could be better. He didn't walk his way out, he thought his way out. He, He came out head first. He had to think it do. And that's why the enemy attacks your mind. You know, the enemy doesn't care about your car, your dress, your purse, doesn't care about your job. The enemy doesn't really even care about your relationship. Women, the enemy knows that you have a very tender and a very sweet heart. That God created you in a way to where you were so precious to him, your heart would be so tender. And the enemy knows that certain words spoken to your ears will hit you like a boulder, that you're not pretty, and no one will ever love you. You don't recover from this. You walk out of this relationship, you'll never have one that's better. So you stay stuck in abusive situations that God never intended you to stay stuck in. And you're afraid to bust a move because even though this might be abusive and not what I dreamed that it would be, it's familiar. And to a lot of people, it's just something that's familiar seems safe. When it's not safe, it's just familiar. And the enemy's trying to watch this trying to take your confidence because there is nothing more attractive than a confident woman walking in the room I don't care how you fixed your hair what your makeup looks like let me tell you something when you walk into a room with confidence everyone notices you but when you don't no one wants to be like you and the enemy says got him Men, the enemy doesn't care what you drive. enemy doesn't care what your paycheck says. The enemy doesn't care who you, who, you, who, who you work with. enemy doesn't care whether or not you're successful or you weren't successful. All the enemy wants out of you, men, is your confidence. That's it. I wreck your confidence. If I can wreck your confidence, I take away your attractiveness to that woman you married to. Because there's nothing more attractive about a man than a man who walk into the room and owns I am a child of the Most High God. I have been hit and I have been wounded and I have been bleeding. And I'm a protector and I'm a provider and I will never stop and I will never quit and I will continue to do everything that I need to do because I'm more than capable of doing it I'm the head and not the tail I'm above all and not beneath I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength and I am more than a conqueror so it doesn't matter how many times I've been hit I've got this because I've got this with the power of the Holy Spirit and my Father backing me But you let the enemy take your confidence nobody nobody would want to be like you that's what it's all about the bible says that god said for i'm about to do a new thing something new see i've already begun he said do you not see it you see if you don't have a God wants to do a new thing, but you got to have a new mind for it. If you don't have—I wish I'd have put this on the side screen. If you don't have a new mind for a new thing, then my old mentality will nullify the new opportunity. Woo, that was good. If I don't have a new mind for a new thing, then my old mentality will nullify the new opportunity. i got to bust a move. Hurt disappointed, wounded, join the club. Many, many years ago I heard a pastor say this, if you will just speak to hurting people, you will always have a crowd. Because that's all we got. People that have been hurt and wounded and disappointed and rejected. That one's different for you. He has something new for you, but you've got to get rid of that old way of thinking. There was a man in the first service before the message, and he caught me, and he said, Pastor, this has happened to me, and this has happened to me, and this has happened to me, and this, and this is why I don't have a job, and this is why here, and this is why here. And I thought, that's exactly what he told me last week. He's telling me again this week. Stop telling the same story. There's a new story and a plan on the table. It's a new thing God wants to do for you, to get you off the hamster wheel. But you will not go come out of it if you don't come out head first. Head first. Would you stand with me? <sighs> I love your transparency. I love the fact that if you're dealing with something, you're dealing with it. You come to what we have here, a safe place. And you say, this is what I am. This is what I'm dealing with right now. I don't plan on staying here. Right now I'm going through something. And this morning, I'm gonna ask you to bust a move. I'm going to ask you to bust a move right out of your chair, and if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to come right down front, right now. I'm going to ask you to physically bust a move and come down front, and let me pray for you. If there's been anything in this series where you feel stuck, anything in this series where you feel like I gotta get off this hamster wheel, anything in this series where you feel like you have been wounded, where you have been hurt, where you have been lied to, where you have been rejected, where your thoughts about people thinking about you are way more important than they need to be, and it's keeping you on a treadmill, trying to make unpleasable people happy that will never be happy. Busting a move this morning. You're busting a move. Let me tell you a a mistake the disciples made. When they went looking for Jesus, they went looking for him at the same place they saw him last. And they went looking for him in the same condition that they saw him last. But he wasn't there anymore. (laughs) And let me tell you what people do to your life. Five, 10, 15 years ago, People will come back into your life and they'll look for you in the same place they saw you last. And they'll look for you in the same condition they saw you last. Cynical, depressed, hurt, walls up in front of your emotions. But you've busted a move. So when they text you, the old you, you text them back and you let them know I'm not there anymore. Father God, we love you so, so much. We love you so much. You are so good to us. You have never rejected us. You have never not loved us. You have never made us try to jump through hoops that we can't continue to try to jump through in order for us to be able to win the approval of your love. You've never done it to us one time, never. You have forgiven us of all of our sins. You wipe out those sins like we've never done anything wrong, and you are the only one that's ever treated us like that. You are my God, and you are my Lord and Savior. And we love you. Father, we love you with all of our heart. We have people in this room that have been stuck. We have been people in this room that have been waiting for somebody that hurt them to come back and be a part of their healing. And they will never. And we're holding our healing hostage to their growing up one day and figuring it out. We don't have that kind of time. So I pray for everyone in this room. I pray that wounded soul would be mended. And I pray, Father, that every time we find ourselves going to a depressed place, a hurting place, a lonely place, a putting the walls up place, anytime we do that, we think about what we're thinking about and we would reset our mindset and we'd line it back up to what you said about us. I'm looking at incredibly attractive, confident, precious daughters of God. And I'm looking at incredibly strong warrior, attractive, confident men of God with wounds healed and dead places coming back to life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Love y'all, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.